Hello and welcome to Doomray on Thursday the 14th of February 2013, it's Valentine's Day. When I uh, should be with my wife. <laughs> <laughs> but you're at work. Uh, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> okay. Um, I've got, I'm joined by Kyle Jobson, the regular host of Doomray, and for a slightly special edition this week. Um, so I'll slightly let Ki- being the operative word. <laughs> I'll, let, I'll let Kyle... Um, I'll let, yeah, I'll let you say what, what it is we're doing over the next uh, few shows. Yeah. So um, essentially what, what we're doing is um, Rob, um, who uh, works at BCU, is, uh, uh, is, is your official title deputy, deputy course, course head? Course director. There we go. Um, so, yeah, um, um, of the MA there, uh, has asked me to um, introduce a series of films um, over the next three weeks um and i was really kind of given free reign with it um for the for the students to watch um and after kind of racking my brain for um for for a week or so trying trying to think of all all the different films that i loved and the reasons why um i i kind of settled on three films that that influenced my um kind of i guess my process or my perception of film um rather than necessarily kind of my three favorite films um and because i can't narrow that list down to three um so you know i've <clears throat> i've picked three films um that um that you know i've i guess are, are very different in a lot of ways but a a kind of similar in, in in a lot of ways for for me because they are they are films that showed me what was possible with film, and I think that was that was you know one of the reasons I chose them. So you um, saw, did you, are these films you saw at the time, or you've seen them since? Um, well, the time um, of release, I mean, Garden State and Lost in Translation, I saw at the time. Um, I don't think I was born when Brazil was released. <laughs> oh, that makes me feel so old. <laughs> I saw it at the cinema. Um, you know, Michael Palin looks so young. Um, <laughs> But um, you know, so, so um, Brazil was something that um, that was kind of introduced because my my dad's a big sci-fi fan, mm. and uh, that's kind of where that one came in. But with Lost in Translation <clears throat> and Garden State, they both came out at a time when I was kind of first studying film and learning about film, um, and I, I think that's where um, you know where the, where I guess they hold a special place in my heart. And I, I wonder. If I'm honest, if if I saw either of them now, whether I'd have the same feelings, and um, you may have to see them for the first time. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think you know nostalgia plays a massive part in cinema, okay. um, and you know all, always has done. I mean, I watched Jurassic Park a few weeks back, and it's <laughs> not the film I remember. <laughs> um, but you know, so so, but I think you know whether whether kind of the merits of the films stand up or. Or you know anything is is kind of open to debate, but for me, the the reasons why I've chosen them definitely stand up. Um, and you know the, uh, the first one we're going to talk about is Lost in Translation. Okay, yeah. Okay, so I I'll confess I hadn't watched this in many many years. I saw it uh, probably when it when it first came out on DVD. I didn't see it at the cinema. Right. Um, and I va- when and when I watched it, I think I, I think I watched it in my parents' house. Um, and we, we 
put it on. I'd got a young child at, the, at that time. I was kind of focused on other things, and it kind of washed over me. I like Bill Murray a lot. Yeah. Um, Who doesn't? <laughs> and, but I prefer his early funny ones. Whoa. 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 <laughs> so so I watched it let, washed over me I, I thought kind of kind of thought it was always there in my my mind and then when you um when you said last week uh that, that was one of the films you were going to choose and the one we were going to go with first I, I thought I'm gonna need, I'm gonna have to rewatch this and so <laughs> so so last night I, I I got back home put it on and uh some tea and sat down and, and watched the whole thing. It's a, sh a short film. It's um, 97 yeah. minutes long, so it's not a it's not an onerous watch. Um, but it you know I, and it and it it fitted with what my memory of the film had had been. But uh, but I I think also it, it's it's a slightly slightly problematic film. It's not it's not the most perf it's not the perfect film. No, um, so I'm kinda of interested to to hear what you think now. At, at two thousand you know, it's it's ten years ten years later. I, I build these as kind of contemporary films, but then I guess that that means basically in the last forty years really. Yeah, yeah. Um and it still it still feels quite modern, yeah. I think. Um you know I, I think that, I think a lot of that's down to it's setting though because <clears throat> you know it, it it because because japan you know the architecture of the hotel and so on is, is quite bleak and stark okay it, it doesn't it's not yeah, age. it's not it's not period it's not period. No, no but it but in other ways i think it also that the tone of the film might might have set off something that you know it might it, at the time it would probably felt odder than it feels now yeah um, and i think i think there's a there's a kind of trend maybe you know maybe it's been several waves coming and going but certainly there's been a wave of kind of in the last four years of quirky indie movies slightly understated um, yeah, and and I think and and I think it it fits with that. Maybe it was maybe it was ahead of the curve. Well, the... I think it's 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 arguable that you know um, there's there's a lot of films that have been nominated for Oscars since Lost in Translation that maybe wouldn't have been if it wasn't for the success of Lost in Translation. Um, you know, I think it <clears throat> it made. In, in the same way as kind of in the introduction I talked about Quentin Tarantino being the, the window into a world almost, um, I think this acted as kind of a lot of people's introduction in, into that kind of, like you say, quirky um, indie cinema. Because, um, you know, it, its success far outstripped its budget. Um, I mean, it, it was made on a minimal, I think it was $4, four million or something. Um, and it made over $100 million. Um, so a lot of people went to see it. Yeah, um, estimated four million dollar budget, um, mm. and as grossed as, as of t as of two thousand four in in these figures, grossed um, just under ten million UK. Yeah. Um, well, that but, was. But that'll be, but that'll be much slower. One. Yeah, it'll, be, it'll have got much um, more. But uh, yeah, you know, I, I think, like you say, it's it's understated. Um, not as much as my other favourite, Mr. Wes Anderson, but. <laughs> Which is another podcast because <laughs> Rob's probably passed out now mm. and strewn across his keyboard tears. Um, but um, no, and, and I think you know it. It did. You know, I watched it a few weeks back. Was the last time I watched it, and I think 
it has aged very well, and like you say, it feels very contemporary. Um, so I, I think also that you know, it, it's it's strange because cinema in terms of the cinematography, I actually think it looks like House of Cards. It has that kind of similar bleak tone to it. So is this something that that television has picked up then on? Um, yeah, I think so. Um, but you know, the, the thing is, is that arguably, kind of television now is is the truest form of cinema. <laughs> like it's, uh, you mm. know, some of the some of the uh, cinematography on on television. Well, the, you know, the House of Cards isn't even on television. Um, so uh, it's on my yeah, television. It's on your television. It's uh, definitely on my television. <laughs> but um, all you know, the it's, time, I, I think. You know, all all these kind of all these kind of films um, paved the way for, you know, those kind of micro-budget TV shows that that have that look of a Hollywood film. So, what uh, do what do we want to say about the film? What would you like to say about this? You you're the one who's put this as your as one of your favorite <laughs> films. Um, defend it. No, no, I'm not going to get. It. We're, we're <laughs> justify um, justify yourself, Kyle. Justify well, no, I, I think you know, like. Um, Tell us a little bit about it, maybe. Well, I, I think you know my, my main the main reason I've chosen it. Like, let's get to the point because I can beat round a point like nobody else I know. But um, the main reason I've chosen is, it is it, it is it two words? Does it begin with scarlet? <laughs> yeah, and, 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 and ends in O Hansen. It begins with scarlet and ends with bum. Uh, <laughs> but um, no, it's um, it's you know I, I think to me it was. You know, like I said, it was that kind of idea of you can sit and watch a film with somebody and both watch exactly the same film and at the end of it take completely different meanings from a film. Um, and, you know, up until I watched this film, I was a big believer in the fact that you constructed meaning through editing and that, that cinema was this kind of series of building blocks that if you put together in a certain way, in a particular way, it would it would you know you'd you'd get an outcome and there was recipes and you know you could you could kind of take a add b and equal c but the the thing that it taught me is that a viewer perceives a film in the way they choose to perceive a film and that i think it's it doesn't matter how much effort you try and put into making them see something in a particular way people will always draw their own conclusions from it and i think this idea that um, you know, every time I sit down to write a film, I try and get every reference under the sun, every, you know, you know I, I, I don't know whether it's, it's this kind of idea of geek culture and Easter eggs and nods and, you know, these kind of things um, that, you know, you try and put into a film. You try and construct something to be deconstructed. Um, and I think, you know, the thing that amazes me about Lost in Translation is that um, you know, at the at the end of it, um, with no with no dialogue as well, which is quite an achievement. There are two well, there are millions of separate meanings, and still forums full of people trying to work out what was said, what they believed was said. It's, 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 yeah, it's is it is it a meaning though of the, the, the film that that's an, an entire interpretation of the film, or are, are we just really talking about? What what the outcome? What the narrative outcome is? I think it's because no, there's because two se separate things there. Right? Yeah, but I, I think you know, even even in terms of, you know, like 
Um, I know people who have perceived Bill Murray's character to be quite kind of predatory in it. Not predatory, but kind of he's clearly after Scarlett Johansson. Like it's that's clearly what he intends. Whereas the way I look at it is he's somebody who's completely alienated and um well bill murray plays alienated bad father in every film so. <laughs> um, if you don't get that from it it's weird but no it's um you know i think it's that idea of um to me it's a platonic relationship you know that's that's and it's this kind of idea of watching a platonic relationship form and I think to other people they see it as very much a kind of sexual tension and to me it wasn't no no I didn't get that I don't get that at all from it um I mean there's there's a there's there's a there's that aspect to it but it's a very minor and it's an undertone it's 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 not it's not a uh, it's not the the main theme or feel feel of it I mean so we've got for those people who've what just watched it um hopefully from our film series or people who haven't seen it we've got two characters it really follows the two two american characters very different part of their lives he he is successful um actor and and she the uh, emerging kind of wife of a successful young photographer well one one of the one of my favorite lines in it is when but they're called bob and charlotte we should call them bob and charlotte um you know bob says to Charlotte, and what is it you do? And she says, I don't quite know yet. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's I think very, that's quite it's all nice. very It's all very true, and it's very, it fits with, with the ages that they're at. Mm. Um, but you've got these two characters, and, and, the posi- and the situation you're putting them in, these two very, very different people, you're putting them into a situation where they are automatically isolated. They, yeah. are, they are surrounded by people whose language they don't speak, by a culture that's very, very different to the one uh, from which they come, the American culture. And we'll talk a little bit about the way that's portrayed. Um, yeah. But, it's, but it's, it's clearly the whole thing is constructed to put these two people in, in that situation. So they're both lonely in the in the setting of the film but there's a that also reflects and and kind of amplifies their own loneliness in their relationships as well yeah. so the idea that they've they've come away from they've come to Japan to Tokyo from a very already a lonely position um, not knowing, uh, kind of, not know, really knowing where they fit in, what they're meant to do at this point in their life, that they're at in their lives or in their relationships, and they put, and that we put them into an incredibly different situation. Mm. And you know, we're all. I mean, it's, I don't think it's too much to say. Well, you know, we're all we're all familiar with those kind of ideas of you know, pe- a holiday romance, those kind, those kinds of things, when different surroundings bring people together in a way that maybe they wouldn't have been brought together. Uh, yeah. in a heightened situation um, the way it wouldn't have experienced in their normal everyday lives but but at the same time you know that this that they are lonely people uh, finding mm. each other but this situation they're in then is is this this incredibly alien one and the and the Jap- i've got to you know i've got to say the japanese culture is is portrayed as in, in <laughs> so alien it and and, and <laughs> in such a heightened way that it that it you know People, not me necessarily, but people have accused this film of racism against, yes, she, against the Japanese. No, no, no. 
not yes, just stupid the, people. They're the kind the of people, people who believe that Star Wars is racist because <laughs> because what? Darth Vader's black. <laughs> it's that's another. That's it's, another show. <laughs> and it's, it's not. It's not racist. I don't think. Um, well, I think. Do you, I but think do you? Taking... But do you get what this? But do you get what that, that that's about? That if that if you, the reason that the the purpose of the film existing is not to. Uh, humiliate the Japanese or to make them look stupid. That, that's clearly not the purpose of this film. Yeah. But, but Do you not in, think it's an affectionate stereotype, though? I'm not sure. Uh, but in the process, but it, it's okay. In the process of doing of of create having having to create such an alien um, view of the Japanese and to 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 make us empathise with these two Americans who actually are quite different to a lot of other Americans as well. That's yeah. that's clear. Um, uh, uh, that we're meant to think of them as intelligent, thoughtful Americans, whereas other which Americans makes them very rare. <laughs> well, which, uh, <laughs> other Americans in the film are portrayed as as the opposite of that. Yeah, uh, as, as yeah, as brash and and trivial and uh, and self obsessed. Uh, well, Anna Faris does come across as pretty self obsessed. Uh, yeah, yeah. Life, anyway, so. And ju and just kind of stupid. So, so but but the way that the Japanese are portrayed through the whole thing is so heightened and so artificial to have this effect for, so we empathize with these two people that in the pro you, you know it doesn't have to be intentionally racist and I, I, mean, I wouldn't suggest for a minute it is but i think that the notion of constructing a whole film around that inevitably surely inevitably it it comes down a little bit on the side of that you if you're only if if for artistic purposes or narrative purposes you only show one side of an entire culture isn't yeah, that inherently, the, the racist, is, inherently is that, racist? But the, but then by 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 that argument, you know, like James Bond films are racist. Yeah, they, <laughs> they, they, are. Show, they only show one side of yeah, British I, culture. You know, I think. Well, they they absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I <laughs> well, there's, there's a, a lot of Bond it. films are racist. Yeah, mm. but no, no. Yes. <laughs> which was the one with the voodoo's? That was really that was really racist. Live um, and let die. Yeah, live and let die. But um, but um, no, I, I think you know the the whole point of of. I guess I think the problem the problem that it has is that it tries it tries to be realistic in kind of a hyper real environment and I guess that's where where this kind of argument comes from is because because they're very um because the two American characters in it are very kind of low key and very um in well in a sense realistic and then you have this kind of heightened hyper reality uh, stere you know, stereotype of Japan. Mm. Then, then I guess that's where that comes from. But, mm. um, you know, I, th I think I don't. I, I mean, <laughs> I guess, this, I, guess the, I guess the question. My point perfectly <laughs> on interpretation of cinema because I don't. I think it's it's an affectionate. You know, I think it's an affectionate look at it, Japanese it, culture. It, it, it may be, but I think I think I don't think it's. And I don't think it's about saying the film has racist intent, but I, th I think it's a perfectly. Real <laughs> I think it is. You could say it. I, no, no, I don't think. I don't think it is. But I think it's. I think it's an issue we have to deal with in film. That if you if you use that if you if you go for that and say well okay what we're going to do is build an entire film around this notion of alienation from from a culture and we're going to and by doing that we're going to put them in another culture and therefore only have to emphasize certain aspects of it 
you're already, I think, on, on slightly difficult. It's already, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be a difficult sort of thing to, and you're going to open yourself to those accusations. Now, I don't, I don't think that necessarily justifies them, or it, or, no. or means that we condemn the film. I don't, I don't think so. But there's, a, there's a lot. I think we have to get that out of the way at least. There's a lot in this film um, that could be seen as stereotyping of the Japanese if you, but if the, you were to the, read. But the thing is, is that a lot, so many jokes. You know, so many. You know, if if you think, because I think maybe the problem is, is that these moments throughout the film are the comedy moments, and they are at the expense of of Japanese characters. Yeah. So yeah. I I understand where that comes from, but that's that's in the same way as if you listen to the Goons, if you listen to Monty Python, if you listen to, um, you know. Well, comedy throughout the ages. If you if you look at silent films, if you look at Charlie Chaplin, you know, uh, all, <laughs> you're, lot, go, but, you're going down a road. <laughs> no, but a lot of comedy, a lot of comedy is is based on, um, you know, well, it's based stereotypes, on stereotypes yeah. of of of, an, of ethnicity. But isn't, but isn't that cheap? Isn't that isn't that that you know? And and it's I, I think it's revealing that the that the examples you you name check there immediately i'm sure we can find modern ones but then ones you picked were from the 60s and, well, no, okay. and, early, and earlier little, little britain does the same thing yeah um you know like the fast show does the same thing um friends does the same thing um I think uh, we're fraser in, fraser I think, does exactly the same thing yeah but i think don't we aren't we at a time now and you know and i'm Aren't we, at, aren't we at a time post two thousand at least that uh, when we can when we say that that that's easy comedy? It's an easy laugh to use a racial stereotype to get a laugh. If we use it to reveal something else, then maybe maybe but it's but okay. Is, maybe this film the, does. But the thing is, is that the only the only way to nullify the effects of racism is to is to make it, you know, part of a, a sense of humor. Like, because the thing is, is that it's. It, I think, to me personally, <clears throat> this is a perfect example of people being offended on behalf of other people. Yeah, sure. This is this is people. This is, you know, you every day in newspapers, in the Observer, the Guardian, the Mail, you know, whatever, whichever spectrum, whether it be tabloid, broadsheet, is always full of people being offended. On behalf oh, of no, no. I, I mean, I'm not offended on, on behalf of anybody here. I'm just kind of I'm airing these arguments. You're but, you playing know, devil's advocate. <laughs> well, the devil, the, the devil's doing pretty well. He doesn't need my help. Um, <laughs> but I'm just, you know, looking around this. We're doing a little bit of background research. You know, that that's that I. Asian American uh, Asia Media Watch sponsored a national campaign, LostInRacism.org, petitioning specifically <laughs> against. Yes, so so this isn't this isn't on people getting offended on other people's behalf. This is this is a cultural group, um, you know, no, eth okay. ethnically specific. Voting, uh, petitioning for the directors, uh, Screen Actors Guild and Writers Guild to, to vote against the film in, in the Oscar categories. And the quotation here is that they insist that the film, uh, and so it's got to be taken seriously, you know, this, the film dehumanizes the Japanese people by portraying them as a collection of shallow stereotypes who are treated with disregard and disdain. Now, I don't, I don't think the film does that. No, but it, but it but I'm but this is not people getting offended on other people's behalves. This is people getting offended, 
uh, or maybe you know reading too much into it or whatever or getting uh, Nickers in a tweet. Reading far too much into but it. I, well, maybe. But I think I think that the film, I, for me, I think what the script does, and it, you know, and I I think it is the script, the screenplay, does is to tread a very difficult line where it's it it has chosen to use racial difference as its main method of communicating our central characters a isolation and alienation it's but that's why it's fine it works because because the the characters the two characters that create the most feeling of alienation towards the two protagonists are their partners who are both american hmm. Like well, and, and, and the other Americans in it too. Yeah, yeah. Like Bill Murray's wife. Yeah. You know, like when he comes back from the karaoke party and he's actually trying, trying to kind of <laughs> reconnect, mm. and she's just talking about kind of her day and everyday life. Carpets. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I think to to me, I think that's. I think that's, you know, I think it's fair that, that, that there are there is definitely. A character aspect where yeah they we we're clearly shown that it's not just this culture they're isolated from they're isolated from their own culture as it were or a kind of or a kind of uh, trivialized version of American yeah. culture that happens through the people and the, and its obsessions so so I think that's there but I think but I think those by are that argument it's also prejudice towards photographers and women <laughs> well I think it's very different <laughs> but I do think and I will I will de say defend this position I think it's a very different thing to show um, alienation from an indiv from individuals who have individual flaws and foibles so the wife who's obsessed with carpets the and 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 meaningless things uh, but doesn't want to talk about the relationship um, the, the, the the photographer boyfriend who's just uh, kind of kind of starstruck and and impressed with his, himself um, I think that's a very different thing to to Highlight their those personal individual foibles and the stupid American starlet. Um, that's different to saying, "Look at this oddness of this race." Um, and, and I think that's a difficult. It, it put. I think it puts Co Coppola in a really difficult place. And I think it's almost inevitable that when if you choose to do that, you're going to be open to these accusations. I don't think that kills the film. I think the film is No, but the, no, but the really sad thing is, is that 10 years later, it's, this is the main topic of, like, we, we, we're doing a podcast <laughs> on it, and the well, main topic I... of conversation is still it, and it's, I, I think the sad thing is, is that this is how, <clears throat> you know, like, this is, this is how, um, how you kind of, I, I, I think it's a perfect example of just people getting way too caught up in things and i think you know the there are there are so many films that i mean like <laughs> pretty much all american comedy has some form of stereo stereotype yeah. that is the front well, of a well, joke well film does stereotype things anyway i mean it's, it's what it's, it's, what it's an exaggerative media but okay so what what else do we what what is brilliant about this? What's really great about it? Um, I mean, if I know I, for me, what really it is it is the, those two. It's, it's the fact that we follow these two so closely, and that through whatever means, you know, fair or foul, <laughs> Coppola's created a kind of 
a, a, a background for them in which they are the things that stand out the whole time. Um, yeah. You know, they are magnetic, um, and, abs- and the camera just is is transfixed by by both of them. You know, mm. they're very very different people, but yeah. and, uh, but beautiful to look at in their own you know in their in their own very different ways. They totally. Um, the, the 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 facial expressions they're act, they're acting it do, it doesn't it's not everything's on the surface it's all slightly buried slightly below the surface um, yeah, be- yeah beautiful acting beautiful performances from both of them yeah and I, I think you know um, for for me the the kind of chief thing is that um, you know like like you say with you know Scarlett Johansson is so beautiful in that film. And it's kind of this this epitome of kind of innocence, and you know, this she's quite angelic in a lot of ways. Um, and then Bill Murray is this kind of withered, um, leather-faced, you know. Um, <laughs> and, but one one interesting decision I always thought was that they they dyed his hair because he'd gone grey by that time, mm. and they they dyed his hair, which I I was was a decision I was never particularly keen on. Um, because I think for his character, grey hair would have been amazing. But wouldn't uh, his character dye his hair? Yeah, yeah. But that, that's what I'm saying. Like they, you know, they make it a thing. Mm. But to me, I'd have, I'd have. It's like Tom Cruise being grey in, uh, in, <clears throat> uh, Collateral. It's just, it's a really nice kind of visual cue mm. to say I'm at a different point, you know, in, in my career, in my, you know, I, just, I don't know. I just, to me, it would have been really, you know, and. I am aware that they kind of make a thing of it, but I'd have just preferred to have seen him with grey hair just because I think it would have worked for the character. So that's all from Doom Ray for this week. We had to cut it a bit short due to lack of uh, of time on the call. Um, but um, thanks for listening. We'll be picking up on the Lost in Translation talk in this week's show and also talking about uh, the next film in uh, Kyle's Doom Ray Biad film series and trying to get onto some some other topics that we've got um, we've got in the pipeline. So again, thanks for listening and tune in again this week. <laughs>